You are listening to the Embrace Running Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Elena, and this is episode number 212 for December 28th, 2016. Welcome back. This will be our penultimate episode of the year, so we'll still have one more to go left this year. We'll squeeze it in there. We're going to squeeze it in, actually, in a couple days, so we'll get kind of two episodes back-to-back here, um, because that'll be our year-end wrap-up, but we're not there yet, because we have other things to talk about before we get to that. So the plan for today, a little ketchup on us. Um, That sounded funny. Yeah, I'm not huge on ketchup. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love ketchup. No mustard, but yeah. So a lot of ketchup on you. (laughs) Uh, Not much news to talk about, because there's not much going on at this time of year. We're kind of right between, kind of mid-holiday season, right? Is maybe the best way to... Yeah, to say yep. it um, right in the so, middle of it. So hopefully everybody had a, a great um, holiday for celebrating Christmas. Hopefully you had a great Christmas. New Year's is around the corner here. Um, so yeah, not a lot of running news, but um, mention a couple quick things. Talk about some 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 films. I guess mm-hmm. sounds better saying it that way. Um, and then we're going to finish off the episode with a. You're going to have a race recap of the Mermaid Trail race. So we'll talk about that. So that's kind of the plan for today. Um, we'll see how it goes. We almost didn't record this episode because we we almost went down the rabbit hole of looking at races for next year. We did go down it a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, but we pulled ourselves out. Before. We set a deadline time of, you know. No matter we what, we got to step at this time. <laughs> stop looking for races to run and yeah. actually record the episode. So um, here we are. So let's jump into it. Let's start off with you. What's what's going on as you kind of finish the year? Yeah, um, starting up my training plan for AR50, which is in April, so first couple of weeks of training underway first week didn't go quite so well because i'm trying to remember i think i think i wasn't feeling so so well so i got some runs in but just nothing too long um and then week two which was last week um, got some better training in longer runs didn't do any runs on the trail unfortunately i had uh well-intentioned plans to do so but between the holidays and the weather though like the best day for me to go trail run it was just pouring i mean pouring rain it was it wasn't even like, oh, it had rained and now it stopped. It wasn't like it's raining lightly because I would have gone, but it was just like it was pouring. So I didn't make it out there. So, so I was kind of bummed about that. Zero coordination between weather and your training plan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, so now I'm into to week three and we'll see how that goes. I do have a trail race this weekend. Um, so should be out hitting the trails this weekend during week three of my, my training plan. So yeah, it's pretty much what's been going on with me. I did um, do a little bit of cross training. Not a whole lot, nothing really worth mentioning in more detail, but did get some cross training in, so happy about that. Yep. And I guess that's that's really it. So yeah. What about you? Um, not much going on with me either. I'm still in what I'm calling holiday mode, off season mode, whatever you want to call it. That's where I'm at, so not doing a ton of running. Um Did let's see, my my run this weekend did go. I did a it's kind of been short stuff. I think I said that on the last episode. So I think this weekend was a little I think I did a five miler. I don't even know what day. Felt really good actually. Um, can't complain. So better than I felt the week before. So progress. I don't know. Um, I have been, I I probably picked the worst time of the year, but I've actually been trying to eat a little bit healthier over the last month or so. Now that kind of went specifically out the window on Christmas, I guess Christmas Eve, Christmas day and the day after that. So it's three bad days. But other than that, the last month I've actually been doing pretty well on that. Something I was trying to do kind of post Thanksgiving. So that worked out well. Um, what else? Ordered myself a new pair of shoes. That's uh, always nice. I guess Christmas gift to myself. So I ordered a <laughs> pair of Hoka, Hoka Infinites. Infinite? Yeah. Kind of saying it in the portal sounds weird. But yeah, it does. That works. Um, that's my, that's a second pair. I have, I have a pair that I'm using and I, I think they're my favorite Hoka that I've run in this year. And so I have a lot of miles on the other one. So I said, let me order myself a fresh pair, Christmas gift to myself. So that'll be my my race shoe come the springtime. So I don't even think I'm taking that out of the box. Maybe until, God, I, I probably might just leave it in there until February or something Ooh, like that. You're going to have to do like an unveiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be put up on the shelf or in the closet, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it with me. Uh, the only other note that I have, I was just going to mention because I was reading I was reading a travel blog. And um, I, I'd never heard of trip hotels Trip Hmm. is T-R-Y-P. It's actually by Wyndham. Oh, T-R-Y-P? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is by Wyndham Hotels, which I think most people know the name. Um, And there's not a bunch of them in the U.S. I think there's a couple international. It's kind of one of, you know, all these big hotel chains kind of have so many different brands and kind of offshoots where they go different styles. But but these trip hotels, they actually have fitness rooms that you can stay in. And it's essentially a room that either comes with an elliptical, a stationary bike, or a treadmill inside your hotel room. 
So I just thought that, you know, for, for us and our audience, that's kind of cool. It might be a horrible thing for your travel companion. If they have zero interest in hopping on the treadmill, it might be a horrible thing to have a treadmill in the room that you're going to jump on. But um, if Depending tra- on what time you're going to jump on it, I guess. Well, that's true, but... Um, but I could, assuming I could it's just like see early some morning mad, or late night or something. Yeah, yeah. I could just see some mad mad family members in the room or something like that. But um, if you're traveling alone or that works for whoever you travel with, that that's kind of a cool thing to just have the treadmill in your room. You don't even have to go down. I mean, every hotel has a, a fitness center or a gym of some kind. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen one that doesn't. And, you know, they always have treadmills and, mm-hmm. and exercise bikes at the least. But kind of having it in your room is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, unfortunately, they don't have many hotels. But I hope maybe that's something we can see more of maybe a little bit more catering towards the fitness crowd so just thought i would mention that all right should we jump into it here um kind of the biggest news that i've caught recently was just uh, about boston marathon and who's going to be there basically the top americans are going to be there so galen rupp is going to be there of course um i say of course there's no reason to say that i'm just stalling because i'm losing my voice so you just wanted to to keep talking to see if it would save your voice? <laughs> Pretty much, but that didn't work. Um, Galen Rupp's going to be there. Shalane Flanagan's going to be there. Meb's going to be there. Uh, Jordan Hesse is actually going to be doing her her debut marathon, um, which should be interesting to see how she does. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Abdi's going to be there. So Jared Ward's also going to be there. And Desi Linden is going to be there. Um, so kind of our... A lot of people's. A lot of people at Boston. A lot of our top favorite American runners. So... Uh, I mean, Boston's already kind of exciting regardless of what Americans are there, but it's kind of cool to have some of those those big names and and shall be interesting. I'm, I'm super curious how Galen Rupp does um, in what will be his third marathon. I think he's going to kick butt again. And kind of, I mean, his first, his first major, because um, yeah. he, did, he, did he just did the trials in the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the Olympics is a big deal, but... But not technically a major. Not technically one of the world majors, yeah. so um, it will be interesting to see what he does with that. All right. Other things. Oh, I kind of forgot to mention at the top. Um, we're going to talk about some of the toughest races. Oh, yes. yes this yes. is in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a little a list that we kind of found and was kind of interesting. There's kind of some relevance to recent news, which is kind of why we're bringing it up now. But um, it's basically a list of the, the eight toughest races that you could possibly do. Um, I think most of these are pretty unattainable for us mere and i'm putting myself in this i'm I'm describing myself as mere mortals that these things are are kind of way beyond us but um but i still enjoy following them and thinking about them and i wouldn't say dreaming about them but um maybe having maybe having a nightmare i was just about to say that (laughs) maybe having nightmares about some of them all right um so should we jump on this list yeah, and we'll um, we'll link to this too if, if people yeah. want to take a look. But um, and most of these we've we've talked about before, but yeah. um, kind of putting it all in one list. So yeah, um, and they're also kind of split up based on like category too, like what makes them so so tough. Mm-hmm. Although some of these are pretty self explanatory. Yeah, exactly. So the first one on the list, uh, you re- you ready to, to yeah start? go ahead. Yeah, jump okay. Into so the first one on the list you've heard us talk about actually quite a bit. A lot. Um, and this is actually kind of in the social media news right now is uh, Barkley marathons. Which, um, yeah, like I said, we've talked about quite a bit. Um, and the category that it's in is navigation. Because um, if, if you guys remember, this is a, it's a 100-mile-ish. Uh, so, I mean, everybody pretty much agrees that it's probably more, more than 100 miles. Right. Um, and it's five loops. If you complete the whole thing, it's five loops. And each loop is 20-ish miles, which everybody says is closer to a marathon per loop. So that's why it's more than 100 miles. Um, and it's out in... Uh, Tennessee over at the Frozen Head State Park. Um, and you basically have to navigate through the, I mean, the, one of the biggest things is navigating the course itself. There's unmarked, um, it's an unma- unmarked route. Jeez, I couldn't get that word out. And it gains about 60,000 feet of elevation, you know, double that of, of a lot of other 100 milers or difficult 100 milers. Uh, and you, I mean, you pretty much do, like, like it says, it's, it's unmarked. So you pretty much have to navigate yourself through the course. And then um, something that may, that may sound familiar just thrown in there is that you have to find books that are hidden along the course, mm-hmm. which can also be an issue because they're not like marked like, hey, there's a book right here. I mean, first you have to navigate to the general area and you got to know where to look for it. And I remember them saying that in years past, sometimes they're like under blocks or I mean under blocks. I don't know why there would be blocks out there um, under like boulders, you know, big rocks, different things like that. Mm-hmm. We're really having to, to look, look for, for it. it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I this is one that I would have nightmares about. 
Well, even knowing that I am no, nowhere going to be close to even doing the fun run, which is three loops of it. I mean, we've talked about Barkley a lot, and I think that's just because, I mean, partially because I think for both of us, we just love the concept and the idea and how wacky and crazy and difficult that it is. And we talked about the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, the Barkley Marathons, the race that eats its young. Um, yeah. Definitely see that. We've talked about that before. It's definitely a great insight into that. Um, this kind of made news this week because somebody who gets a lot of play on this podcast, Michael Wardian, um, a guy who gets a lot of strange records and uh, we talked about him. I, was, I don't know if it was on the last episode about... Um, I think it was about records that he had set. R&R as just yeah. as Elvis, but right. um, he posted on social media this week that he actually is going to be running the next Barkley Marathons. Mm-hmm. So that is very exciting because I'm just super curious how he does. I'm I'm only saddened by the fact that I'm not really going to know about it until after it happens or just some right. random social media stuff. It's not like I'm going to be able to go, unless somebody's shooting a movie, um, I'm not going to be able to go see a documentary I know. about his I'm still hoping somebody does. Yeah, there's, there's Even an if idea. it's afterwards, you know, they get to see it. I really For hope somebody does. For filmmakers, go yeah. record it. Because um, it's not like it's a race that you can follow live streaming online or anything like right. that. That doesn't happen. So, um, But Mike Wardian will be there. Kind of cool. Um, he kind of put that out there. If you didn't know, Barkley is also one that uh, when you get into Barkley, there's no... It's not posted anywhere, like, who's going to do it. There's no, like, entrant list or anything. Right. And it's it's up to the people who get chosen if they want to disclose, whoever they want to disclose to, right. if they're in or not. They so don't have you, to. Nobody else is going to tell, basically. You know, it's really up to you if you want to disclose it. So Yeah, there's no PR marketing department for the race that's going to be, right. you know, hey, we got, you know, great runner Mike Wardian's going to be here and come check it out or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, that doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, so I'm super curious how he's going to do. Yeah, me too. And I, I remember um, this year, I can't remember when it took place, but I remember like, you know, people find out like a couple days ahead of time because it, it, you know, leaks out. And then on social media, people were trying to post updates, but it takes so long to get through a loop. And that's really the only updates you get is when somebody starts a loop and ends right. a loop, starts a loop, ends a loop, or people get lost by the time they get back. It's like, okay, well, they're out now. Um, but it was, it takes so long to be out there that like you get an update and then, okay, you can go like go on with the rest of your day or go to work and do a full work day and come back and then you get another update so it's it's and it's almost like kind of weird hey bob went out for a loop and then the next day hey bob's back you know right and he's going out for another one (laughs) it's almost how long it takes yeah check back tonight for Um, an update all right anything else on barkley no that's it all right next one on the list uh another one we talk a lot about because it's kind of close to home uh western states endurance run Mm -hmm. it's official name western states 100 yeah i mean it's pretty well known the granddaddy yeah, pretty much. It's one of the oldest and the most prestigious, uh, or actually it is the oldest, excuse me, and most prestigious 100-miler uh, in the U.S. Um, oh, and the categories is for elite competition and heat. So I think in, I mean, it's, it's, it's been pretty well known, but I think it has maybe even the last 10 years, mm-hmm. just the the number of elite and the, the specific elite competitors that have gotten into Western states like just keeps getting I don't want to say better because that sounds like they weren't good before, but it's just, it's a lot, it, it draws a lot of elite competition. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the category that it places it in. And uh, most it, with it, with it taking place in June, um, most of the years it's hot, mm-hmm. at least part of the time, right. you know, obviously during the day, a hotter time and certain part of the course. Um, usually the hottest part is what's called the, the canyons, which is a 30 mile stretch of, you know, climbing descents, um, but it really does get really hot and people say sometimes they feel like a furnace in there because just the heat is radiating mm-hmm. off, off the canyons. Um, so that's one of the, the difficulties in the race as well is just being able to manage that, um, and making sure that it doesn't, one, you don't like get dehydrated, but it also doesn't turn your stomach, which, you know, heat can do as well. So. And if you want to see a good documentary on that one or a good movie about it, Unbreakable. <laughs> so you're going to be plugging one. all the documentaries I'm plug on all the movies a, along the way. Yeah. Yep. Check that one out. So, um, that's actually probably one of my favorite running related films i think so yeah next one on the list hard next rock 100 one. yep so category elevation yeah i mean it boasts thirty thousand. i cannot huh? breathe yeah exactly it boasts thirty thousand feet of climbing plus thirty thousand feet of descent over um just over 100 miles 100.5 at southwest colorado san juan mountains and it tops out at just over fourteen thousand feet on the summit of handy's peak and the entire race has an average elevation of over eleven thousand feet yeah i would definitely die at this one for sure. Yes. Even just probably trying to do the 5K there, <laughs> I'd probably die. There is no 5K there. I'm just saying. There's no 5K that's part of the Hard Rock 100. Yeah. Honestly, if they if it was the Hard Rock 
20, I'd probably die. So the fact that it's 100 miles to me is actually meaningless at that point because at that elevation, I, I don't think I could do... Um, yeah, 20 miles would just be insane for me. So. Yeah. I could probably do whatever I could just walk that day. Not, not that I would have any business doing hard work. <laughs> <laughs> but theoretically... And then, I mean, also with it being, um, you know, just at that elevation, um, weather can be unpredictable or, you know, it could be fine during the day, but then you get those afternoon, evening thunderstorms, lightning storms. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of years back, we had talked about um, somebody who was running in Camber, the name right now, that did get hit. Like, I think his headlamp got hit by lightning. So, right. uh, yeah, you know, so that's, that's something else to consider <laughs> that you wouldn't normally have to consider. Okay. Anything else on Hard Rock? I don't have any other, um, I don't have any movie suggestions. Ah, I think think there there might be one. Kissing the Rock. Yeah. And I think there might be one next year coming out or something. Okay. From what I remember. Okay. But I don't remember the name of it. All right. right, Next one. UTMB. UTMB. Category for this one is Elevation and Elite Competition. So it kind of sounds like a, somewhat of a combination of like, for the category, Mm -hmm. Hard Rock and Western States in terms of the category. That's a good point. Yeah. So, um, it is, you know, everybody talks about how beautiful it is. So that's probably helps um, get people through the tough uh, UTMB. But it begins in um, Chamonix and traverses around Mount Blanc through France, Italy, and Switzerland. So that's one way to kind of see a couple of different countries at a time, huh? Just run mm-hmm. uh, 100 miles. That's all. No big deal. Okay. <laughs> I'd rather just take the tour bus. Yeah. But. Um, participants have to climb 30,000 feet over incredibly technical terrain. It's a lot of climbing, again, um, but a lot of technical terrain. Um, I do hear a lot about there just being a lot of like support and a lot of surprisingly a lot of spectators mm-hmm. for, you know, hundred miles. So that's, that's a nice thing. I mean, that does obviously doesn't make the race difficult, but I just wanted to, to throw that in there because I do remember hearing that. So um, anything you wanted to add on? Um, I mean, just to kind of toss in with, with the elite thing is just, I mean, it being in Europe, you tend to get more of the, the top European runners. Um, and so that kind of adds a little bit different flair to the kind of competition that kind of makes it fun because you have so many great European runners that, that do UTMB mm-hmm. um, compared to, I mean, obviously we get some doing Western States, but um, it, it seems much more um, diverse in terms of where people are yeah, from good over point, at actually. UTMB. So I do like that aspect of it. Yeah. So next one, Marathon de Saab. So the category is distance. This is a seven day multi-stage race, roughly 105, 105- just kidding. I was yeah, just sucked on that one. It. 150 miles through the Sahara Desert. So the route changes from year to year. Uh, aside from just the distance itself, 150 miles, uh, racers have to deal with Morocco's extreme heat as well. They're also running on sand dunes. And then they have the burden of having to carry their own food, water, first aid, and extra clothings. Clothings? What is that? Extra clothes. That's a lot of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than just extra clothes. <laughs> It's like, it's way more than that. So yeah, having to carry that, um, you know, basically just self-support yourself uh, during the, the stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I, yeah. Sand? Heat? Yeah. To me, sand Ugh. and running doesn't really make a great combination. Um, and when you just start talking Sahara, it seems ridiculous. But honestly, that's that's probably the race on this list that I'm the least familiar with. So I don't have much to say about it, I guess. <laughs> So next one then, uh, moving on. Oh, I almost skipped one, is uh, The Rut. That's probably the one I'm most uh, familiar with, or least familiar with, I should say. So this is in Montana, and it's actually a 50K, which um, is one of the shorter distance races that is on this list, but not Mm. the shortest. Um, So yeah, it's over in Montana. um, More than 20,000 feet of elevation change over 31 miles. So I mean, that's pretty significant, over 31 miles. Mm -hmm. You know, the other, we're talking about 30,000 feet over 100 miles. It's highly technical and exposed. yeah, this is probably the one I know the least about. I've heard the least. Yeah, I think I spoke too uh, soon. I actually know less <laughs> about this race than the last one. I, I, I was like, yeah, I almost skipped it on the list. So. Yeah, and the category they have it in is um, exposure. So we'll move on to the next one, which is the one I almost went straight to, um, is Badwater 135. Category, heat and distance, of course. Uh, so 135 miles through Death Valley in July. Average high temps is above 110 degrees. We've talked about bad water before as well. We have. Um, not to the same extent as some of these other races, but we definitely have mentioned um, bad water. And I know um, we've mentioned it in the last couple of years where there's they've had to make some changes course, to the race. Yeah. yeah uh, because of the National Park system. Um, and I think they, they used to start the race sometime in the morning. I don't know exactly when. So runners would be running essentially 
all of them throughout the first day. And then, you know, depending on how things go, whenever you would finish. Um, but with the one of the recent changes is they actually started, I believe, like in the evening or night. So there's a chance you won't be running through the hottest part of the day, mm-hmm. depending on how fast you run or at least you don't start off with the heat or it's hot anyways, but not with the hottest part of the day. Yeah. This is the race that we've talked about before where, um, was it Dean Carnassus in his book or something where he was talking about like the shoes or somebody else was talking about like the soles of his shoes, like melting off if they yeah, run on the white to, line. Yeah. You got to run yeah. on the white stripe of the road. Otherwise it's, it's going to be too hot and start melting your shoes. Um, I was actually going to say, I think if you go back a few years, it's probably Dean Carnassus that actually brought maybe the most mainstream attention to Badwater. Yeah, I, think I would for agree sure. with that. I mean, Dean Carnassus, you can say whatever but you want about his running, but um, he's obviously a fantastic marketing guy mm-hmm. and marketing himself. And so he yeah, gets out there a lot in front of the general public. So I think he's he's actually brought a lot of attention to Badwater just beyond kind of the running community or those runners kind of on the fringe of being interested in, you know, why would I care about this 135-mile race in the desert? That yeah. just seems dumb type of thing, you know. So kudos to him. <laughs> Yeah, I always remember that story or that, you know, about the, the shoes. And then the other one I remember is uh, Bart Yasso talking about when he ran Bad Water. Okay. Do you remember him talking about that? Not really. Where he was running behind someone, like not immediately behind, but there was like a distance, a pretty consistent distance that he was trailing this person by. And he thought he was like hallucinating because he thought he kept seeing um, banana bread on the road. Uh-huh. Um, you remember this at all? I, I vaguely okay. did. Now he it's kept starting seeing, to come Yeah, back he to kept me. thinking that he was seeing banana bread on the road and he's like, oh my gosh, this heat. It's gotten to me. I'm hallucinating because I keep thinking that I'm seeing banana bread on the road. And then I guess he mentioned it to somebody later on, come to find out that he wasn't hallucinating. The person in front of him was actually eating bananas and ended up like kept throwing them up. And because it was so hot, it ended up seeming like they were cooked. And so mm-hmm. he kept thinking it was banana bread. Yeah. So he wasn't hallucinating. But anyways, that's the other um, story I, already, I always remember about bad water too. Okay. So last one on the list. Mount Marathon race. Mm-hmm. So this is the shortest distance race on this list this is one of my favorites yeah category technicality and exposure so it is by far the shortest um it's in alaska 3.1 to 3.5 miles long depending on the year gains more than 3,000 feet of elevation and forces racers to scale an exposed cliff before descending the mountain always takes place on the fourth of july we've actually watched this race i'd say like the last two years i think last two or three yeah Um, i I love crazy i love watching this race it's actually the best race to watch and not necessarily, I don't think we've ever seen it live, or have we? We might have once. Once. Yeah. Um, but it's on YouTube. You go back and watch the race. And the nice thing is, because it is so short, you can sit in front of your computer or whatever and watch the whole thing. Right. Like, it's 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 not going to take your whole day or weekend. And it's super interesting, because you're basically, it's just one huge climb up a mountain, mm-hmm. and then you just bomb like hell back down the mountain. Right. And try not to die. Right. I and mean, oh, people get banged up going up and down. Oh, yeah. Like all kinds of I mean, there's, there's sections with snow, there's boulders, there's rocks, there's almost sections of, um, I mean, there's, I mean, it's not, you're not climbing up. There's definitely some sections where you're almost climbing down yeah. at the bottom that I see. Um, it's super interesting because there's not actually a marked course right. up. You basically start here, that's the turnaround, mm-hmm. and you so finish get up here. There. And so it's super interesting to see people take different lines and different strategies mm-hmm. because um, especially on the way down, there's parts where like, hey, if you go to the right over here, there's like a big patch of snow. And what a lot of people do will actually sit down on their butt and just slide down. Yeah. Um, or like if you go off a little bit to the left, it's a little bit more runnable over here. So you take that strategy. So it's interesting watching people choose slightly different lines. Um, and then, you know, the to watch the race, it's kind of cool because, you know, it's on YouTube you can watch it live because it is broadcast live. They have helicopters. They have stationary cameras. So mm-hmm. you actually get a great view of the race from all over the course. And, you know, the the way they can do that is it's a short race. You know, you can't do that for a 100-miler. Right. But, but this type of thing where you're just basically climbing like a nut up and just bombing down the mountain, you can easily do that. So, um, And then the finish kind of running into into town there on the main little street there. Um, it's always interesting kind of watching people finish it off too. Um, lots of locals out there. Big crowd support at the end. So, um Super fun. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see kind of after the elite's finish, you know, the cameras always pan back up and you have more of the mere mortal people still climbing um, up the hill. So it's always interesting. And then but. you have people collapsing or near collapse or near vomiting like at the finish. Mm-hmm. There's always effort. somebody bloodied up. And, yeah. Um, it's just several it's, people <laughs> usually. I, I'll, I'll try to link to, to one of them um, in the show notes, but it, it's definitely worth if you've never seen it before. Um, 
I'm sure there's some clips with probably just highlights so you don't have to watch the whole race, but it, it's super fun kind of watching it. And it's super interesting, very different than what most of us do. Um, e- even if you run trails a lot, this is pretty different than, than what you normally do. Right. Yeah. Anything else on that one? Nope. I think that's it. All right. That's the list. The toughest races. So if you're gutsy, crazy. Both. Um, probably need to be both for, for any of these. Go ahead and register for, for one or more of those, I guess we should say. All right. Um, next, uh, we've been talking a lot about films, or I've been throwing it out there. So I guess let's kind of continue that. Um, you're going to talk a little bit about Trails in Motion, right? Yeah. So uh, Trails in Motion Film Festival. Um, I actually had the opportunity to attend one of their screenings. I guess it was the beginning of this month. It seems like it's been a while ago, but um, through Ragnar Trail, um, you know, just hosting a booth there, I was able to attend the Trails in Motion Film Festival screening of this year. So um, films change every year. Mm-hmm. So Basically, uh, Chosen Motion Film Festival, it's an interta- international film tour. It's a compilation of films about trail running and other adventure store sports. Gosh, I keep like saying weird stuff, but other adventure sports, but mostly about being like outdoors and, you know, trail mm-hmm. running, that sort of thing. Um, so again, different group of films every year. We actually checked it out a few years ago. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was different films at the time. And I remember the, the main movie attraction at that time was uh, Finding Traction mm-hmm. uh, by Nick Campbell, which is actually now available on Netflix, Netflix I believe. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. Um, Another totally, one to Yeah, totally worth watching. And it's usually like five, six, seven films right around there. Um, some of them are just like a couple minutes long, like three three minutes. And then usually the... The main attraction in the last film is around 40, 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. for the entire film festival, it's usually about two hours long. Um, and really it's, it's put on by like local running clubs or stores or hosted, I should say. They host the individual showings. Um, and it's, again, it's, it's all over the U.S. It's international. Um, in the Bay Area out here, a lot of the, the showings and screenings are actually by Bay Trail Runners. Um, and so the the showing that we went to a couple years ago was by Rob Rhodes, um, who's part of Bay Trail Runners. And then the one that I went to this month, uh, same thing. And then now they're you know going to be doing a whole new set of films for 2017. So calendars are kind of getting filled in terms of the different screenings and different showings. So I really enjoy or have enjoyed the two showings that I've gone to. Um, it's really interesting. It's very inspiring. Every time that I like get to see it, you know, the, the filmings, I always feel like, oh my God, I gotta like go trail run like right now, you know, or I need to go register for like a bunch of races like right now. Cause it's just super inspiring. Um, and some of the things are just, it, it's about inspiring people or inspiring endeavors or things they've had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to I, I was just going to say if races were smart they would have you know upon your exit from the film festival just the computer <laughs> there where, so you could just register for just, a race because yeah, I, I get the just, same feeling. Just hand over the credit card. <laughs> that should be part of it right? Yeah. Because um, I do get that feeling. I watch a film that you know and it's like oh I want to go out and run or mm-hmm. tackle a trail if it's a trail running film or if it's something about yeah. road. Um, obviously I've been throwing out movies this whole episode so um, yeah I mean that's kind of what I get out of it is it, it's kind of inspiring and motivational mm-hmm. just to kind of see that kind of stuff and it makes me want to get out there so yeah fun. actually come to think about it uh, kind of almost going full circle here i think one of the the films that's part of the film festival for next year for 2017 is actually about mount marathon Sweet. so yeah okay I'm so all I over that. yeah i definitely recommend if you're able to check out um, a screening to do that we'll um post a link to just the trails in motion page in general and then from there you can check like uh, local showings for for you specifically, mm-hmm. although, you know, they're, they're kind of just um, starting to... 2017. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be more and more dates as time goes on. But I'll be checking out the 2017 showing at the end of January, mm-hmm. um, which will be the premiere showing for, for California. So I'll be able to, to check that out and I'll report back cool. on how those films are. So, yeah. All right. Um, let's jump into... I don't know if we call it the main topic, but a little bit of a race recap, a race that you did, mm-hmm. which was the Mermaid Trail race. Yeah. So I had mentioned this before. Um, it, Mermaid is a, it's a race series, um, you know, definitely meant for uh, women participants, but does not exclude men, mm-hmm. um, but definitely geared towards, you know, kind of um, building a community for, for women to get more active, you know, um, be in duathlons, triathlons, races, that sort of thing. So I've done a couple of their events in the past and I've mentioned, um, I can't remember how many episodes ago though, but I did mention that I'm a, a race ambassador for the series, um, for end of this year and, um, 
for 2017. So actually had an opportunity to sign up for their first trail race. They've done um, races on the roads. Um, and then, like I mentioned, they've done duathlons, triathlons. Actually started off the whole Mermaid series with a duathlon, triathlon. That's what actually started everything. Mm-hmm. And they moved into road races. Um, and then they also have a, a bike event that is solely bike um, but yeah, so, you know, I've been able to participate in a few of their events, um, and have always had a great time. And then of course I was super excited when they announced their first trail event. So registered for that and they offered a three mile, six mile and a nine mile, um, option. So I signed up for the nine miler, which is kind of a cool distance, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost that 10 mile distance that I love. Yeah, exactly. Basically and it's like the same shorter thing. than a half marathon. Yeah. So you don't feel like, Oh, I want to be done, <laughs> you know, longer than 10 K. So you don't feel like you have to like go full out, you know, you still need yeah. to pace yourself. Not that you don't need to pace yourself for a 10 K, but definitely more so for the nine miler. So I was really looking forward to it. Um, and then of course, here the we go struck. with, yes, <laughs> weather again. So it ended up raining quite a bit, a couple of days leading up to the race. Um, the race organizers actually did a really good job of communicating several times throughout that week by email and on Facebook, which I like when they do both mm-hmm. because yeah, not everybody. You know, yeah. Is, is on, on Facebook. Facebook. Right. Which I mean, it makes total sense to me, but I have had, I've had, have seen some races only do it through Facebook mm. before. So anyways, um, so they did do a pretty good job of communicating and saying, you know, this is what the weather's looking like. Um, you know, there is a possibility that we'll have to either postpone or make some changes, you know, change the course, that sort of thing. So they're really good about letting people know and, you know, essentially just saying that it's really going to be up to, um, the park officials, you know, if it comes down to a course change, if it's not safe or something like that. Um, so they did a good job of letting us know. And then the day before, the race. So on a Friday, um, they did again, send out some updates, email, Facebook, letting us know that, um, the, the trail race would actually not be happening, um, based on the decisions by the park officials, basically because of all the rain that had come through the couple of days before. And it wasn't, I mean, what they had mentioned was that it wasn't as much of a concern about the trails not being in good condition for runners necessarily, but that actually the trails and the access areas for aid stations and for emergency crew were not in good shape. So obviously you don't want to do something and host an event like that if you're not going to be able to get to people if they need help. So it makes sense. Kind of a bummer, you know, but that makes sense. Safety first, right? Yes. I mean, that that kind of stuff. I mean, it's kind of weird because, you know, we're here in Northern California, so we're, we're not the location that thinks of like major race changes or cancellations or that type of stuff because of, you know, at races because of weather. That just seems weird for us. Yeah. But it does happen. It does seem like... Um, you know, all these races that do happen out on the trails in, in different types of parks here in the Bay Area or the surrounding Bay Area. Um, the the parks department that kind of controls these things and these permits seem to be, how should I describe it? Very, um, they're very picky about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, um, I don't know how I want to say it. Do you want to say conservative? Yes. Or? Thank you. Okay. That's, they're very right. conservative with All this right. type of stuff. So, points um, for me. I think we've seen in the past, Ohlone was a race not too far from here that had some issues with weather. And um, it was one of those people were complaining because there was people that went out there the day of the race and were like, oh, it's fine. What's the problem? Right. But, um, but yes. I mean, you do your best in terms of prediction. Right. But, so, yeah. um, you know, it's tough for the races because they are at the mercy of these park systems and mm-hmm. these managers and, and, and around specifically around this Bay Area, um, they do seem to be pretty conservative, very good way of putting it. Yeah. So. And I think I do see certain, because we have diff- different, several different park systems, mm-hmm. and I do see certain park systems be more conservative than others, uh-huh. just in general. But yeah, I mean, and I know that they have to err, err on the side of caution right. of like, I'd rather be safe about this and be like, oh yeah, looking back, we probably could have had the event mm-hmm. versus them not cancel it and then something right. you know major happens. Yeah. So. Stuff happens, we know that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I think actually Mermaid actually handled it pretty well. Yeah. And like I said, they kept, you know, they, they did update us several times during the week versus like not saying anything and then Friday being, oh, by the way, you know. So so like I mentioned, we got the um, notification, uh, the update that the trail race wouldn't be happening. However, there would still be a race happening. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of nice, too, mm-hmm. that there was still a race, um, but it was being moved to uh, a nearby park um, than what the original course was going to be. At, and it would be um, on paved paved trail or essentially a bike path mm-hmm. or walking path, whatever you want to call it and not on the trail at all. Um, but I mean, I'm, I, I'm surprised that they were able to make that change basically just from one day to the next, essentially, or even just two days before, because you know, there's always permitting and things like that. So the, um, the new venue, they were actually able to, I don't know what exactly they have to do, but they were able to go through whatever paperwork they need to go to and basically expedite their permit. So they were able to 
get the permits in time mm-hmm. for the race. So no, um, I was just gonna say I'll yeah. give I'll give the race organizers huge credit for being mm-hmm. able to change the location of a race. Yeah, um, basically the day before, or two days before. Right. I mean, they might have been working on it. You know, four to five days before. Sure, if they like were, just in case. If they were, yeah, I mean, yeah. that would make them super prepared. But um, it's kind of nice that you were actually able to do a race because um, I think that's a lot better than sitting at home and being, ah, I should have been out racing today. And at least you have a better, an option to go out there and still get a race. Right, exactly. So, and um, with the email, you know, that they um, provided updates with in terms of it being, a, you know, still still a race going on. Oh, still the same distances, by the way, too, which is mm-hmm. nice. Still three mile, six mile, yeah. nine mile. So um, like, surprise, you're doing a full. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, surprise, you get to do a full marathon or nothing. <laughs> but um, they also gave people the option if they didn't want to participate in that specific race with all the changes and everything, um, is that they could actually essentially defer their entry to another mm-hmm. mermaid race in the future. Right. So theoretically in 2017. So um, it was nice to have that additional mm-hmm. option versus like, look, you know, we're, we've made some changes. This is the new venue. And yeah. if you can't make it, sorry. Right. Um, so yeah, they had that um, as an option too. And they gave like a deadline. I think it was like midnight that <laughs> night or something to let them know. <laughs> was a crazy um, deadline, but, yeah, uh, but yeah, very let, fair. Yeah. To let them, to let them know that if you were going to be um, choosing to defer. So, um, yeah, and I think I don't know. It's it, I'm not sure how many people or what percentage of people decided to defer. I got the feeling that it was a, probably a pretty good number, yeah. um, and I think part of that was also I don't know how much of it was because it was no longer going to be on trail, because um, it, it did seem like this was going to be a first first trail race for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't think switching to the road really deterred a lot of people. But um, the forecast for race day was for for it to actually be raining the entire day. So I'm curious. How many people kind of made their decision based on that? Yeah. Like, oh, um, if I got the option to stay home, I might as well just, you know, it's exactly, going to be a I'll just race day. another yeah. day. Yeah. I mean, and the, even though it was a different venue, different park, it was actually, they're very, they're very close together. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you'd have to drive That's a, good point. a huge amount in an opposite direction to get there. So they're actually like as close together as you can get essentially right. without it being literally neighboring. Yeah. So, so not an issue for anybody unless you were literally going to walk <laughs> to the original location. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and then in regards to the whole change of venue, one thing that I thought was really interesting that they did that was good is that they had volunteers at the original location uh-huh. in the parking area and when you were exiting the freeway to let people know that we're going to the event if they didn't get the update to let them know that the venue had changed. So they had a couple people there and I think they ended up having, I think three or four cars mm-hmm. show up and I think three of them once they were told, went to the new venue. And mm-hmm. I think the uh, the fourth car actually ended up just staying and just running on the trails on their own. <laughs> like, so, oh, I'm here. I'm just yeah, doing my own thing. Yeah. No, it's actually very good that they did that. I do remember, man, I think I did a 10, uh, 5K, let's call it a previous lifetime, where they um they actually changed the parking location for a race, like last minute. Uh-huh. And so that was an issue. Um, and yeah, they. I, I think I said at the time, like, oh, why don't they just have somebody there saying like, hey, the parking lot's moved. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, there. yeah. But, I mean, in, in this situation, it worked out because, again, like I said, they're very close together. Mm-hmm. So if you were already at the old location, you're like, oh, it's at the new one. You had time to get right. there. Or just like, oh, we've moved it, you know, 45 miles away. Okay, you're probably not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, but I thought that was pretty good that they did that. So, okay. Um, the, so the new race, the new venue itself, again, like I mentioned, it was on a paved path. Um, and all three distances of three mile, six mile, nine mile were out and back. Um very slight little rolling hills, but nothing major. Um, you know, one of the downsides to it being a different venue other than that it wasn't trail, because I was looking forward to that, is that because it was kind of like last minute, you didn't really have like a course map. Not mm-hmm. that you really needed uh, one sure. for an out and back, but it'd just be good to know. Um, you didn't know how many aid stations were going to be out there um, or exactly where they were going to be. So I had already planned to take um, uh, a bottle for the trail race. Because they had mentioned how far apart the aid stations were there and everything. And I'm like, okay. And I usually take, you know, a bottle for that distance for a, tra- mm-hmm. a trail race. Um, and so I just decided to take it, take one with me anyways, just because I didn't know how many aid stations would be. And I'm like, ah, I already have it with me. I'll just, you know, take my bottle with me. So, which ended up um, being good because I think, I can't remember exactly how many aid stations there were because I can't remember how many of them I saw twice because it was an out and back. Um but I want to say there's probably about four aid stations on the nine miler, which is pretty good. That's a lot. But they weren't, they were spaced out kind of unevenly. Mm-hmm. So like I got to one pretty quick and then the next one was pretty quick. And then it was like, I thought there was going to be one at the turnaround, but there wasn't, you know, I don't know why. I just right. always think there's one at the turnaround, not that there has to be. So, but yeah, so it ended up working out for me because then I could just drink when I wanted to. So, uh, but yeah, that's one of the things is that you don't know exactly how far are they spaced? Are there bathrooms out there? You know, that sort of thing, just because there wasn't all this time to be able to 
to prep that and, um, you know, uh, disseminate that information to everybody. So, um, and I'm kind of going out of order here, but when I got to the, the race itself, you know, no issue in terms of following signs to parking, um, no issues picking up my bib. Uh, I did realize once I had my bib and I was putting it on, there was actually no timing chip on it. So I don't know if that was planned that there was no timing chip or mm-hmm. if it was kind of like, okay, we've made this change. We just like, I need to get these other bibs or that sort of thing. I, I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what the specifics are, but there was no timing chip. It's been a little while since I've had no timing no chip, timing chip yeah. with the exception of entries race <laughs> that had no timing chip with the exception of that one. Um, they did have, because it was a, you know, a um, pretty good sized park that's open to the public. They did have like the park restrooms that are there, you know, with like mm-hmm. running water, you know, and that sort of thing, sinks and everything. But they also br- brought in um, additional porta potties, which I think is always a good thing to do mm-hmm. if you're going to have an event like that. Unfortunately, most of them were still like uh, tied <laughs> shut with the, um, what the do you call tie. it? Yeah, the zip tie um, until probably like 10 minutes before the race. So I'm, I'm just assuming that there was some miscommunication there. I'm sure somebody just forgot. Yeah. So, but they did eventually unlock them, mm-hmm. you know, and open them all back up. So, um, let's see, I think nine milers started first and then I can't remember if the six miler or the three miler started next. I don't remember exactly. Cause I was just kind of paying attention to, uh, <laughs> to my race. Oh, and I think they actually, actually also pushed back the time a little bit from the time that it was originally going to start. I think maybe like half an hour or something. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming that's to try to give them more time to get ready. Cause they really didn't have much time to set things up you know from the day before mm-hmm. so also covers if people went to the wrong location true yeah. that's true yeah that's actually that's a good point Thank yeah because you. if you're assuming you're going to start there at eight right yeah and then you have until eight thirty and get to go to the new place so um of course itself i mean not much more to say than what i've already said it's um you know there was a starting arch starting on the grass quickly head out onto paved path Basically, for the nine mile, you go out four and a half miles, you come back four and a half miles. For the six miler, you went out three, came back three. For the three miler, you went out one and a half, came back one and a half. They did have uh, mile markers and they had little like motivational, um, you know, like laminated sides signs on the side, um, on the grass. So that's, that's always fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, water stations were water and an electrolyte drink, which I'm not sure what it was. I didn't pay attention yeah and i didn't really pay attention to see what it was honestly um i don't remember seeing any sort of fuel which i know you don't typically need for a three miler six miler nine miler i don't even know if you would necessarily provide it with a nine miler it's possible that they had some sort of gels or something but i I don't recall seeing them i did bring my own so um didn't really pay attention to that um because i talked so much about the weather at the beginning ended up not raining at all until I was probably like a 10th of a mile from my finish. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember exactly like what time that was, but that means pretty much everybody from the three miler finished most from the six miler finished and a good chunk of the nine miler participants finished before it started raining. But once it started raining, it was raining. Um, so thankfully the finish area, you know, once you go through the arch they had, it was, it was covered. Um, so it's nice to be able to, you know, like partake of like they had hard chocolate, you know, water, bananas mm-hmm. all of that and being like covered not in the rain where a lot of times with trail races or even road races there's like no yeah, covered anything right. you're just like okay i just i gotta get to my car so um so yeah so it's nice to have that that covered area that was just you know one of those built-in like picnic areas mm-hmm. at a park um so it's okay, nice to I have gotcha. that yeah yeah um so nothing that like the race brought themselves gotcha. so and yeah so they did have um you know the typical post-race food um and then they also Handed out, coming through the finish line, handed out a medal, which mm-hmm. I didn't mention, which is pretty good sized medal, I think. Uh, shape of a, like a mermaid's tail. It says a uh, mermaid athlete on there. Um, the last couple times that I've run the races, which I don't think I ran one earlier this year. I don't know if it was last year or the year before the last time I ran a race, but they weren't doing medals actually at the mm-hmm. time. So I'm not sure exactly when they started doing medals, but it seems to be a pretty consistent thing now. So that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that's good. Um, what, what they've done in the past is they actually handed out a, a necklace, a finisher's necklace to, to people, which I was hoping they were still doing and they actually are. So it seems like in addition to the necklace that you get when you come through the finish line, you also get a medal, which is pretty cool. And the necklaces, necklaces are different every year. And I know in, in a year that I did two different events, the necklaces were different between the two events. So, mm-hmm. um, so now I have, I think, three necklaces and they're all different. You know, and they all have some sort of, you know, mermaid theme, mermaid athlete on it or something like that and the the necklace i got at this event is um 
it basically uh, complements the the metal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a smaller version of the metal itself. Yeah, that was very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool to get that. Something different that not a lot of races do. I know I've mentioned it before through Mermaid. I think the only other race that's given necklaces that I can think of is Nike, which they don't, they're not around anymore. So right. at least that, you know, the Nike Women's SF. So yeah, I mean, I think. I'm trying to think of anything else I mean, where I, they do actual there, necklaces. There's another one, but. I think it's sometimes you get like Nike where they give just the necklace. Right. You didn't and get I a medal think, at, at Honestly, Nike. it's super cool to have a necklace and a medal. Right. Because, Agree. you know, you still get that medal. You know, we all like to get that, that bling post-race. It's right. Cool like, let me to, put it around my neck immediately. Right. Um, but I'm assuming that 99% of us, you know, a month later aren't going to throw our medal around our neck and go walking around town. What? I'm just assuming. Oh. You might be out there. You, if you are, let us know. <laughs> I mean, if you wear it to work, especially if you have a suit or something, I'd love to see pictures. Right. Like um, way later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is my medal from three years ago. Check it out. But um, but having the necklace that you can actually just wear and it looks cool. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'll, I'll give I'll give the guy's opinion on, on Mermaid. I think they're pretty oh, stylish go. on um, kind of everything that they've done. Because mm-hmm. I actually, I really like one of the, the, the shirt that you have from... I think their first race that you did yeah. a while back was actually a really great looking mm-hmm. shirt and stuff. So um, I think my opinion when it comes to style is completely meaningless, but I think they have a pretty good <laughs> style with, with their necklaces and the shirts and all that kind of stuff. So it looks it looks cool, but I, I like the fact that you got a medal and a necklace. And yeah. yeah. Yep. I agree. I really wasn't And the medal has the some medal, weight to it. It actually it does. doesn't look like it might have some weight to it, but it actually does. So. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then speaking of, you're talking about shirts. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the race shirt was a long sleeve tech shirt um, and it's doesn't have any like sponsors on it, which okay. is, we've talked about that before. It's, it's nice better. to not yeah. have like the whole back, like just filled with sponsors and it's just pretty simple, you know, and it just, it, you know, all of their stuff usually has like mermaid athlete on there, which is nice. Um, and it had, because it was going to be a trail race, it actually has kind of like a, like just a landscape of like mountains in the background, which is pretty cool. Just a bummer that it wasn't an actual trail race, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that we were able to still have a race. Um, I think they did a pretty good job of pulling everything together, you know, just kind of like last having to make last minute changes and things like that. So yeah, and I really like I really like the shirt. It's it's pretty comfortable. So, um, did you want to add something? It seemed like you wanted to add something. I, I didn't. I don't think you showed me the shirt, so I don't even know. What I it did, looks like. but did you? yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm looking forward to you know participating in in more of their events next year, and I'm hoping um that they do a trail race or maybe more than one mm-hmm. next year. So I think that'll be fun to do. Um, and then just a reminder um, before we move on is that I do have a discount code for 15% off uh, any of their races for next year. Currently, I think they have um, registration open for their San Diego race, which is in March for anybody who wants to do that. And then also for their San Francisco race, which is not until November, but they do have that registration open and they'll have um, registration for their other events open sometime soon. Like I mentioned, a triathlon, duathlon um, another race, uh, in the Bay area and then, um, a cycling event, just plain cycling, um, you know, called tour de mermaid, which has multiple distances ranging from seven miles to 60 miles. So definitely a range of distances for people of different, um, abilities or lack, not, you know, inexperience on the bike like myself, <laughs> um, you know, to choose from. So, right. yeah. And then I don't think I mentioned the code actually. The code is my name, so all caps, E-L-E-N-A, one five, and it's on our web page. Yep, yeah. exactly. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, let's get to some feedback before we get out of here. Message received. So we heard from Steve, who is a loyal Embrace Running listener. He ran the New York City Marathon in 2015, and he just kind of wanted to uh, give us his take on it, which we like getting, you know, from people mm-hmm. just to kind of get different perspectives. So he said he's glad he did it because it's a world major and definitely a bucket lister. Definitely was the hardest marathon he's done. He's done 11. Um, he's a mid-pack mid pack to back-of-the-pack runner. So it was hours from the time he had to get up, catch the bus, wait, wait, wait some more, and then finally started. He said the race itself, there's so many bridges, inclines, and it's so crowded that he could never really get into a rhythm. I've, I think I can remember hearing that before from other people, that it's kind of hard to find your, your rhythm. Right. Yeah, and then plus kind of just dealing with the fact of you're up for so long before you actually start your race. Um, he said from the finish line, it's a very long walk out to where you connect with your family, well over a mile for sure. That's kind of a bummer. It's a long... It's a long day. Yeah. If you're doing, <laughs> I mean, honestly. It I is. Mean, Definitely. And he said, but having said all that, he thinks everybody should do it. 
um, and maybe other people would enjoy it more if they might be more towards the front um, of the, the race start or in earlier corrals because obviously there'd be less waiting mm-hmm. you know at the at the beginning mm-hmm. um, to start your race so yeah I mean it's definitely still on our list um, we'll be till we get it done oh yeah not I mean, entering I mean, the lobby someday. for next year necessarily I mean, but we haven't even tried to do it but right. um, it, it is slightly discouraging that it's kind of hard to get the chance to do it because yeah. everybody in the world wants to do it even though it's the biggest race out there um, it's just your, your chances aren't the greatest so um, yeah and he's actually done uh, quite a list of marathons. I'm actually quite jealous because also <laughs> Chicago, Boston, London, Philadelphia, Flying Pig. Basically and more. All races that we have either done or for sure want to do. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All of them, actually. Yeah. And then, um, you know, just on uh, something else, he just wanted to share some news about him being involved in a freak accident while he was running. Unfortunately, he got hit by a motorized bicycle while he was on the sidewalk, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so four broken ribs, punctured lung, four staples in his head, road rash like crazy. I can't even imagine. Um, seven days in the hospital with a chest tube. Uh, he's pretty much back to normal, though. So good news there. Up to about 30 miles a week. He's, he ran a half marathon a couple of weeks ago. Ten minutes off of his PR, but he said he ran the whole way and he felt strong. So he's definitely recovering. Yep. So that's I'm glad to hear that you're, Very you're glad recovering, to hear, coming um, back. That sounds like a, yeah, that definitely sounds like a freak accident. Very crazy, very scary. Yeah. Um, got pretty, I don't even want to, I think banged up is a pretty big understatement. Yeah. So, um, to kind of be back, uh, give you, give you huge, huge props for that. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool to kind of be back into it at least, but, um, glad you're okay. Absolutely. <laughs> it's very scary. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, you always talk about like safety and what you can do and, you know, running on the opposite side of the road and being alert and being visible and, but it's like you don't really think about a motorized bicycle coming up behind you, you know, where you don't even know that. Yeah. Anyways. No, I mean, it, it's crazy because, I mean, on the sidewalk, and I think we all see the sidewalk as the safer place to be. Right. I mean, I'm always running in the street. I hate running on the sidewalk. And I always feel like I'm in the more dangerous place. But then even if I ran on the sidewalk, this kind of craziness can kind of happy happen. Um, it's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. Um, that's all the feedback we're going to share. We got several other emails, but they're kind of related to kind of finishing off the year or kind of plans for 2017. So that'll be in one of our two upcoming episodes. If you've got anything else, um, last minute, you still got a little bit of time that we can still add that in there. If you got anything related to, um, your 2016 that you want to share, you mm-hmm. have to be pretty quick getting that in. Yeah. Um, but for sure, if you got any plans or goals or ideas for 2017, we're always looking for cool ideas, things too to chase mm-hmm. maybe yep. um or any if you got any race suggestions i mean we spent some time today looking at races for 2017 um if you got like a big race in 2017 that you're you've circled on the calendar or for sure looking forward to um, that's the kind of stuff let us know and we can share it with everybody so yep um i think that's gonna do it you got anything else nope that's it um so yeah like i said we'll be back with one more episode um in 2016 to just kind of close out the year and kind of check up with our I don't want to, I don't really want to, but check in with our goals that we set at the beginning either, of the but year. We got to do it. Um, and kind of share some of our favorites along the way from the year. So um, that'll be the next episode. So we'll catch you then. The website for the podcast is embracerunning.com. You could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash embrace running. Send us any comments, questions, or feedback at feedback at embracerunning.com or leave us a voicemail at 925 400 7223. If you enjoy the show, give us a review on iTunes. So until next time, embrace running.